0: So I ask that you read seven books this year, uh, seven books, four of them are straight out of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, the four stories of Jesus, because I'm going to be preaching through those four books, chronologically, kind of in harmony, and it's going to be a lot of um, interesting messages, and uh, the first one here being titled Boy to Man. Boy to man. Now, if you grew up in the 90s, like I did, you might be called Boys to Man. And you might be thinking, low Philly, all right? is back again, doing a little East Coast swing, right? Well, today, we have Boy to Man, and Jesus is going to do a little yeah, Jerusalem swing, all right? Not the East Coast, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Why is there only one story of Jesus as a boy, out of four accounts of his life? Why is there only one little story of Jesus growing up? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever just kind of said, like, why isn't there more? Why don't we have a little bit more of his teenage years? If you have a teenager, you'd love to be able to point to some stories. Look how Jesus acted, you know? You'd like that. Well, there is actually more stories. It's just they're probably not true. You see, there's other books that have been written, right? And John Piper points out that the Gospel of Thomas, for example, which is not an authentic, uh, has not been authenticated, not considered to be a part of the Bible, but it was written. And there was a couple stories in there that he brings to light that I think are interesting, fanciful, probably not true. Um, you can be a judge for yourself. One of the stories is that Jesus was doing a miracle, with some water when he was about five years old, and another little boy messed it up, and so he called them some nasty names to cause them to wither up. That's the story written in the Gospel Times. Another one is a little boy ran into Jesus' shoulder, and he caused him to die. Does that sound like that would be something Jesus would do? Yeah, it's a little strange. But you know what, some people might believe those stories, Because on TV and in Hollywood, we see a lot of uh, superhumans, right? They have a little trouble with their powers early on. Yeah? You know what I'm talking about? And then they somehow learn how to manage them, and then they grow up and they can use them. I can see how some people would believe, like these stories. But these stories come from not a good source. Personally, I have my own imagination of Jesus' boyhood miracles. For example, I like seconds a lot growing up. Alright, I like, I don't, one plate, not enough for me. I was a little chubby, I'll get your up. So, I like two plates. Well, Jesus, he meant that for seconds. just wait to see. Right? I mean, his little annoying brother, anybody got a little annoying brother? I had a little growing up. Sorry, Ron, I know you're here. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus had James, his little brother, and you know what? If James was mouthing uh, off. Mute. <laughs> I said, I think Jesus would have Mm done. And then my favorite one is, if he noticed Mom was a little stressed, hey, mama, let's turn that water into wine. (laughs) All right? Let's let's get you relaxed a little bit. (laughs) But Jesus probably didn't do these miracles that I imagined. Four authentic accounts of the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's just one plain, simple no miracle story of a 12-year-old boy who's in a temple and he's listening to the teachers at the Passover. Why just one story? I think the answer is because that's Jesus' life. It was a simple life. He lived in submission to his parents until it was time for him to start his ministry at the age of 30. Luke records the story for us in chapter 2, which is where we're going to be at today. And Luke probably, because he was a man of detail, he was a very good historian, he got his source, probably, from the primary source from Mary. He probably heard the story from Mary, Jesus' mother, and he records it. And the reason why I believe Mary told Luke the story is because this was a significant turning point in the life of Jesus. Now, Jesus had to grow up just like we did. Okay? He was fully human. And when he went from boy to man, I believe it happened at this point in Luke chapter 2. I think this is what we see here. Jesus understood for the very first time in his life he was born for his father's business. He was born to do his father's work. Not his earthly father, Joseph. He wasn't born to be a carpenter, as we know Joseph was. He was born for his heavenly father's business, Yahweh. He was born to be the Savior of the world. He was born so that we could go to heaven. That's why in Luke 2.49, he says directly to his parents, a 12-year-old boy says to his parents, why were you looking for me? Don't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Don't you know I had to be about my father's business? Or in some translations, I had to be in my father's house. Here's the statement that I want you to think of and remember. If Jesus had to grow, so do you. If Jesus had to grow, then so do you. God expects you to grow up spiritually. He expects you to do that. Now everyone gets stuck once in a while. Don't they? Don't you get stuck sometimes? Life is hard, life is tough. I see that our screen is coming up here. And um, in a second here, I'm going to show you a a clip. Let me set it up. I hope the clip works okay. Um, It's a one-minute clip. On our Florida vacation that we just got back from, and we'd like to go back there um, because it's cold here, uh, I rented a kayak to go fishing. And I love fishing. You know me long enough, you know that. And so I will do anything I can to get out on that water. And so I rented this kayak to go fishing. And one morning I went out and I launched this kayak and I had no idea it was low tide, okay? And it, 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 it was not a deep area, it was flat, and it was very shallow, six inches or less. And so sometimes when I was kayaking through this very shallow water, I would get to the point where I could not go any further. And I tried, I, was, I like, <laughs> trying to paddle, paddle, and it's, I'm like basically, I'm, I'm stuck. So I get out of the paddock and I start walking and my feet are sinking in the mud, which is not good when you have flip-flops out. Alright? So I'm like pulling myself through this. I'm, I'm trying. Well, eventually I found some deeper water. on a creek. And I went down this creek and it was really a, an interesting um, deal. I had heard about this creek and I heard there was fish in there. And so this is the video of me traveling down. That's a stigma, think, so. Oh, now there's Can you hear it? Okay? Can turn it It's so ridiculously hard. This is too hard. It was so hard to finish. that way, doesn't it? It's just so hard. It's not supposed to be that hard, but it's just so difficult. Nothing goes right. And sometimes you feel all alone. I mean, I was all by myself in this pad, and there was nobody. Nobody around. I was all by myself, and nobody was there to push me, and I was complaining. And I just remember, I remember I had that thought. I'm like, why does this have to be so hard? I'm not the patient. the end of this creek and it, the water was flowing down the hill and I had to paddle all the way back upstream. You know, if you ever paddle upriver? river, it's not easy. I had to go all the way back and I remember thinking to myself, man, how am I going to do this? I don't even want to do this. The thing is, I set my mind to it. I set my mind to it. Just like I've done the sports a thousand times before, I set my mind to it. I said, I'm going to push myself I'm going to get back. And failure is not going to be much. That's kind of the saying used to have failure is not going to be an option. I wonder if you have that mindset in life. right? Sometimes you get stuck and you walk with God. Sometimes you don't feel like you're growing. Uh, maybe you didn't feel like coming to church this morning. Maybe you don't feel like praying or reading your Bible. And sometimes you get stuck and sometimes you just don't feel like moving ahead. But you've got to say to yourself, failure is not an option. I'm going to do that. I've got to keep moving. Because if Jesus had to grow up, and so do He. Right? And that's going to take a little bit of work sometimes. Did you know that only 8% of people will follow through on their New Year's resolutions. Right? Everybody has a New Year's resolutions, Goals we set for the New Year. But only 8% follow through. And if you had a New Year's resolution to grow up spiritually, to do something that's going to help your growth get closer to God, be the 8%. Be the 8% this year. You can. You don't have to be the 92%. You can be the 8%. You can be the one to do it. Jamie and I were looking at some pictures of our honeymoon that we took in Hawaii almost 20 years ago. And we were checking these pictures out, and we were looking at them, and we recognized something about ourselves. We were a little heavier back then. Alright? We we, we didn't have holiday weight, okay? We had a China Moon, Jet's Pizza (laughs) weight, Coney Island weight. Alright? We had a place to go to every night, alright? We did a lot of table back then. But we don't eat that food any longer. You know, 18 years later, we got a lot better healthy habits eating, and we're a lot lighter because of some decisions that we made along the way. We've come a long ways. That's my point. How far have you come in your walk with God? Because God doesn't care where you started. He cares how far you've come. He wants you to finish the race. That's the success measurement that you need to have. How far have you come since you started walking with God? And remember. Jesus had to grow up. Then so did you. you got to grow up. Now let's look a little closer at the significance of this story. And you'll see how this was a turning point in the life of Jesus. Where he made a decision ultimately. He made a decision that he was going to live for God with purpose. So let's take a look. We're going to start. And I broke this up into some different verses. Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you want to read your Bible. Luke 2, 41. That's where we're at. If not, we have a scripture on the screen for you. It's a story, the only story we have of Jesus as a boy. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. Now, as you read God's Word on your own, not just in church, but as you read God's Word on your own, I encourage you to make observations. I encourage you to write down questions again. Jot down those. If something <clears throat> kind of jumps off the page at you, highlight like that. But these are some observations that I made through this word that I want to share with you. First of all, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Well, right there, what that tell you about his family? They were faithful. They were religious. They were going to go to Passover like every Jewish family was supposed to do, like Moses told them to do a long time ago. Verse 42, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. <laughs> right there. Wait a minute. Parents, how did you not know that? We'll keep reading. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So, you you read that and you say to yourself, wait a minute, uh, how is it that uh, they didn't uh, know where he was at? Okay, Well, there's a couple reasons for that, which we'll get into in a second. But, in the Jewish faith, I want you to understand something about his age. In the Jewish faith, when a boy turns 13, they celebrate that. It's called anyone? Bar Mitzvah. Bar Mitzvah, that's right. But Bar Mitzvah Okay, celebrates a boy becoming a man, which is by the title of the Man." But bar is the word son. Mitzvah is the word commandment. So it means son of the commandment. It's that you're becoming under the commands of, um, and and you can participate in the Jewish celebrations. That's it. So now you're a man. That's basically son of the commandment. Up until that point, Jesus, any boy, just participates. Or does not participate. Just, just listens and learns. So here's Jesus at age 12 at the Passover. For the next 18 years, by the way, he's going to continue to come to Jerusalem with his family. Okay? With, his, with the whole family. And he's not going to do anything. He's going to be passive. But on age 30, when the ministry begins, when he starts his three and a half year ministry, he's going to be extremely aggressive. In fact, you're going to see the righteous anger of Jesus. And we're going to get to that in a few weeks in the sermon to come. Question ahead. How did Joseph and Mary not know that they didn't have the boy with them? Alright? There's a couple of possibilities here. First of all, they have a lot of other little kids and they were occupying their time. You know how that goes, right? You're busy with one and you, you, know, you don't realize where the other ones, what, what they're getting into. Right? Uh, the second possibility more likely they traveled in the caravans, not the dotted ones, okay, (laughs) they traveled in caravans, big groups of people, and they probably figured, oh, he's just with his cousin John, he's with the other families, he's okay, he's mature, he'll be okay, but when they realized he wasn't okay, he wasn't with them, I'm sure they panicked, right, said, okay, you know, so you take you take the kids, we're going back, you gotta find Jesus, we're in big trouble, good cat. <laughs> Alright? We gotta get back and find him. And the whole way back, you know. Joseph was like, It's your fault, Mary. <laughs> and Mary was like, It's your fault, Joseph. You don't believe each other, we can do that, right? So anyway, they get back there and they uh, start searching. Verse 46. Three days, three days. They did not find him until the him in the temple. Sitting among the teachers in the temple, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who were who heard Jesus were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Now, here's what I think is interesting. And maybe you made this observation. Jesus is participating in the temple. He's only 12. We're really not supposed to. But he's participating. And honestly, he's not just participating. Right? He's blowing their minds. His, his knowledge and, and application of the word of God is astounding to them. They, they, they can't even get it. You're 12 years old. How do you understand this? Where are you getting this from? And his parents pull aside and they say, you know, we're so scared. You know, where were we? We thought we lost you. You ever lose a child even for a minute? Man, was that a hit in your stomach, right? You're so scared. Well, they find their beloved son? And they don't quite get it, right? Why do they staying behind? They don't understand it. Uncharacteristic of Jesus, I'm sure. Even when he explains it to them, they don't quite get it. Here it is, the explanation. Verse 49 and 50, he says, Why are you looking for me? Don't you know I must be in my father's house? Or I must be about my father's business. But he didn't understand the saying. He spoke to them. This is that turning point in the life of Jesus. He's not getting ready for his bar mitzvah, okay? He's understanding what he will need to do in order to save us. That's what he's bidding right here. I mean, his family would become those who do the will of God. Remember that time later on, where his family was looking for him, they came to a house where he was speaking and healing, and they said, your family's here, and he says, no, my family is those who do the will of God. So here's Jesus, I think, maybe for the first time in his human life here, recognizing, understanding, What a turning point. What a, what, what a change that's going on in his mind, what he's processing. Now, here's a natural question. Um, well, I, I'll back up a second. Just so you know, he didn't neglect his family, his earthly family, okay? You can look at the next two verses, and you'll see how he treated them. He went down with them to Nazareth, where they lived, and was submissive to them. Teenagers, you hear that? Okay, I know some weird are but teenagers, Jesus was submissive to His parents. Parents, make sure you underline that, highlight <laughs> that in your Bible, put that on a card, put it on the refrigerator, or wherever your teens generally go. Okay? And so they can see that Jesus was submissive to His parents. Okay? Keep that His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And then verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor of God. And man. Now when you read that, he increased in wisdom. Does that not beg the question, but God is all knowing. God is omniscient. And if Jesus is God, the Son of God, how is it that he needs to increase in wisdom? Doesn't that make you think? Doesn't that really kind of, whoa, that's, that's deep, right? Here's the thing that's even deeper, <laughs> that you probably will grasp it more than you can grasp the Trinity. Jesus is fully God, yet he's fully man. He's fully God and he's fully man. Jesus often pointed out to his disciples that I must do what the Father tells me to do. Right? He didn't know the timing of his return, the Father knew the timing. The Son does what the Father tells him definitely told his disciples. Honestly, part of being fully human for 33 years on earth meant he had to set aside his conditions in some respects. Paul points this out in Philippians 2. You might be familiar with Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7. He said, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus set aside some things. He was fully God, fully human. But as a human, he had to grow up in his wisdom. It took some time. And if Jesus needed to grow up, then guess what? So do you. That's right. Jesus needed to grow, so do you. Do you have a good Bible teacher to help you grow? You better say yes. You hurt my feelings.
1: <laughs> That's my job. You hurt Scott's feelings, right?
0: Anyone who teaches the Word of God, our children's teachers, you've got to have a good Bible teacher to learn from. And I pray that our church, like Purpose, will always demand good, solid Bible teaching. Right? We don't provide what itching ears want to hear, as the Word says. We provide what God's Word says. We break it down because we want you to be hungry for God's Word. That's what we're saying this morning. Are we hungry for God's Word? Right? We are hungry. This church is, and it always has been. And it's a wonderful thing. For 15 years, we've been hungry for God's Word. Everyone must come to the point in their life, I believe, when you decide to follow Jesus. That's why I'm devoting the next year and a half to just these four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to read them over and over because I don't want you to just be a fan of Jesus. I want you to be a follower. Completely dedicated follower. There's a great book, which is one of our seven books that I want you to read. It's called Not a Fan. If you can't afford it, I'll buy it for you because it's that important. Not a Fan is a book I read many years ago. It's a wonderful book because it helps you understand what it means to be a completely dedicated follower of Jesus. Written by Kyle Island, not a fan. I'm re- rereading it again. It's uh, uh, e- easier to read. Okay, it's not, not, not too long. It's, it's a good book and it's important. When you follow Jesus, you're going to see that he knew how to live for God with curse. He gives us this example of how to live life as him. Twelve years old, he understood. He understood what he needed to do. And he carried it all the way through. He told his parents. They didn't quite get it, but he told them. Ultimately, he knew he needed to suffer. You might recall that Jesus was a baby, and they took him up to the temple when they were still in Jerusalem. And there was a man named Simeon there. And Simeon told Mary, that um, a sword will pierce your soul, Mary. That this boy is going to actually cause you to suffer. In Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, we get the summary of that. Although he was a son, Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. That's an important verse because it's really deep if you think about it. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed. Jesus had to suffer so you could go to heaven. He had to. And that's not something we take lightly. Jesus learned through his experiences, just like you did. As a human being, he experienced temptation. As a human, he went hungry. He went thirsty. He felt every emotion you feel. Everyone. He knows humanity. He understands the broken world that we live in. And if you want comfort this morning, Hebrews 4:15 and 16 should give you all the comfort you need. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. And here's a comforting verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace Help us in our time of need. Are you feeling the brokenness of life today? Are you feeling like, man, what a struggle. I don't even, I can't even make sense of what's going on right now. Well, draw near to the throne of grace. Receive the mercy in your time of need. Hold on to the hand of Jesus. That's what you need every time you struggle. And not just today, but every day. Every day you need the manna of heaven. Every day you need new mercies. Every day you need to trust God. Is the Christian life glorious? Is it? Edie can say this. Is it challenging? Absolutely. It's both. It's a glorious life. It's an abundant life, but it's a challenging life. So if you're going to choose to be a Christian, which I often redirect and say, Christianity is being a Christian is being a follower of Jesus. Because it's so much deeper. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, don't do it half Don't do it flippantly. Don't just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church. No. Commit. 100%. Go all in. Do it like Elisha. I love Elisha. He busted up the plow, he sacrificed the oxen, he threw a party, and he started walking with Elisha. No turning back. No turning back. No option to go back. And failure wasn't an option. Are you ready to decide to follow him? Don't sit on the fence. The devil owns the fence, by the way. You can't sit there. You need to choose this day whom you will serve. For Joshua said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. David said, the Lord's my shepherd. Daniel said, I'm not going to stop praying to my God. Peter and John said, we're not going to be silenced. We must speak of what we have seen and heard. Paul said, for to live is Christ and to die is he. We have all kinds of examples of people who decided to be 100% followers of Jesus. Will you follow Him? Will you commit today to grow up spiritually? If Jesus had to grow up, so do you. Will you decide to follow Him? As we sing this final song, I ask that you pray to God. This is your time. Talk to God. Commit to Him. Make the decision. I will follow Jesus. That's all you need to say to me. I'm follow you. I'm done doing this halfway. I'm all in, God. 100%. Leave. I want to follow you. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful example that you've given us in your son Jesus. I thank you, Father, that we only have one story of his boyhood. Because that one story that we have illustrates in a profound way that he chose to honor you with his entire life. That he committed 100% to live for you. And we see that he increased in his wisdom and that he suffered. He learned. Obedience through what you suffer. God, I know that we don't want to suffer. I know we don't want to go through the, the, sha- the shadow and the valley of death. I know we don't want to go through the tough times. But God, we trust. We want to trust. We need to trust that you have a green pasture waiting for us. That you have a still water waiting for us. Father, help us. Help us to get through these times. Help us to trust in you. Help us to draw being to your throne of grace. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said it. Amen. Amen.